Welcome to the podcast, And the Church Said. This podcast discusses faith, mental health, church, and culture from a Christian counseling perspective. I am Dr. Monique Smith-Gatson, and I am your host for this podcast. Consider me your church counselor and consultant who is discipling the body and the members in mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual health. I am trained in both psychology and theology, equipped and equipping for the work of the ministry. Although I am a licensed clinician, this podcast is not intended to serve as therapy. We strongly encourage you to seek out your own personal relationship with a professional therapist. This applies also to our special guests who have opinions and professional insights and expertise of their own. Their contribution is also not to be regarded as therapy. Our aim here is to hold conversation around these important topics regarding the church and mental health. So thank you for joining us for this episode. All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And today we have a very special guest with us who is no stranger to the podcast. He has been here before, um, previously. And so we just welcome back Dr. Clarence Schuler. Clarence, thank you for being here today with us. Well, Dr. Monique, uh, Dr. Mosley, affectionately call you in the book. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm glad. Always fun to be with you. Yes, absolutely. Previously, Clarence was on with us talking about African-American men and depression and faith. And interestingly enough, we are going to talk about that in a different format today. Um, but before we jump into all of that, Clarence, please tell everybody who you are and all of the wonderful things that you are doing for the kingdom here on earth. Well, uh, I have a nonprofit called BLR, Building Lasting Relationships. We primarily, my wife Brenda and I, do marriage seminars, mostly in the U.S., but uh, not, in, not in common for us to be overseas as well. Uh, most recently, we we're in Ukraine in 2019. Um, we also, I also do stuff for singles, do stuff for fathers, uh, really into discipleship. And do a lot of diversity training, consulting, have two books dealing with that. And then Gary Chapman, best-selling author of the five love languages, uh, he and I have co-authored a book for guys called Choose Greatness, 11 Wise Decisions Brave Young Men Make. And then we've written a book called The Life-Changing Cross-Cultural Friendships, How You Can Help Heal the Race Revive One Relationship at a Time. But the book I'm most excited about right now is one you and I have written. And so I'm really grateful you to, that you wrote it with me, but it's called Finding Hope in a Dark Place, uh, Facing Loneliness, Depression, and, and Anxiety with the Power of Grace. And so that's really been really cool. The response has been amazing. So thank you for writing the book with me. Well, thank you for the gracious invitation to do so. I, I must admit that it totally had blown me away to be invited to co-author with you because this is book number 10 for you, right? Yes, 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 it is. Yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking like, hey, I'm a newbie, man. Uh, you really <laughs> want me to uh, co-author this book with you, but it has been um, a very enlightening experience and a very... Um, I don't know, it's been, it's been good, but it's been learning, you know, for sure. It's, it's, it's something that has truly taught me. I've learned a lot, you know, through this process. But if you will, will you please just kind of tell everyone how this came about for you to um, conceive the idea for this book and to consider asking me to write alongside you? Well, I had a big bout with depression in uh, 
2017. And you were my prayer partners in my newsletter. And I shared my newsletter, my struggle. You read between the lines and reached out. And being a guy, I or I just said no. <laughs> you said you want to help. And then uh, through the grace, you know, God, I asked God to do it and he wasn't responding. So I had to call you back and say, you know, will you please help me? Is that offer still on the table? And so you were gracious to walk me through that. And so as I was getting better, opportunities to speak came out. And what God does with me when he's walking me through something, he has me share what I'm walking through. So as I began to share in several speaking venues uh, about my depression, people were freaking out. I mean, people said, we'd never heard it. We'd never heard it in the church. I had one counselor come down after a sermon and just shake my hand. She said, I've never heard a biblical sermon about depression in church before. Or one guy, Stephen Kendricks, who endorsed our book said, man, this is really good. But people were taking pictures of all the slides and everything. It's just, it was freaking. And then my book agent, Greg, he said, you need to write a book about that. And I said, dude, I just got a sermon. And so I kind of blew him off. And so about a year or two later, uh, I started fooling around with the idea and things started happening. And so I went back to him and said, I think I got enough stuff to start writing about it. And then he said, well, you need uh, a licensed person, a counselor, a therapist, someone to, you know, credential, who's credential, who can, you know, speak into the book for legal reasons. And so, well, I, and so you were like a no-brainer. God has brought you to mind because... One, you're the one who helped me. So I thought, and it's very personal. So you're really the only person that I wanted to write. And then you're really gifted. So I thought, too, it maybe help give you some exposure as well. And it'd be a win-win for both of us. So that's kind of how I came to the, that's how you came to the picture. You said, hey, you need someone, a clinician to validate or to explain to people why you're so crazy. And so, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> So that's what happened. <laughs> right. A, you're not crazy. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, you were just going through a very, very dark time, um, you know, so as you uh, have so eloquently, um, you know, narrated in this book, yeah, what do you hope people get from this book um you know i i love the fact that he did ask and, and before we go on there yeah there were a lot of people that said that to me that also endorsed the book you know on my behalf would say that they thought it was really really good you know to have the voice of the clinician just kind of interwoven um throughout your book and and really just you know um having the opportunity to respond to you know the things that you you wrote about um so with that in mind, like, what is your hope? You, you say that the Lord takes you through things and you usually come out speaking about it and then the response that you had to that. So what's your hope for it? Well, you know, honestly, I just, I had to fight the publishers, remember? Because we wanted to write in a way that was sensitive to people who are going through the depression or loneliness or anxiety. So there's a sensitivity involved. And so one thing I want people to read the book to feel safe. That we can, that we can, uh, we can actually do this and, uh, and and feel safe. That's the first thing. Then I think the other thing I really hope they get your expert insight, which I think is really good and gives credibility to stuff. And then I hope that the book gives them hope to where they realize they can have some possible input in their own life, and that they learn to kind of begin to take baby steps on their own. And you know, I'm a Christian, so I hope it points them to God to where they can take steps with that. But but in the midst of that, I also hope they realize that 
because the book is based on Isaiah 45, 3, and says there are hidden treasures in the darkness, secret riches. And I think what that says to me, and I think you said this, according to the phrase, that when you're in a dark place, it's a holy place. And so basically, you don't have to rush out of that dark place, and you don't have to fake being fine. So these are things that I hope people are takeaways from the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That is one of the things, I mean, <laughs> is, is, it's um, a concept that we don't discuss enough. And even when we're in it, I, God knows, I understand when I'm in my dark places, it is hard to think of them as sacred. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I was sharing with you that, you know, if, if God promises to be with us always, um, if he's with us even in our dark times, our down times, our depressed times, then we have to know that it is a holy place because he's there with us. And um, yeah, it is interesting trying to get until I want you to just tell me about that for you, uh, for everyone, like your experience in not having to, you know, kind of um, pull yourself up by your emotional bootstraps, if you will, you know, and try to come out of that dark place. When I did kind of mention to you, like, you don't have to rush your way through this, you need to lean into it and see what is, um, your body saying to you what is your what are your emotions saying to you what is God saying to you was that experience like for you hear me say that well initially I just want to be left alone I, I think you, yeah. you you remember that I think you know and I reluctantly <laughs> called you back because God was actually wasn't going to counsel me himself and you know the arrogance I counsel other people so I like I can do this I don't need somebody to tell me stuff and so but then guys evidence that you do need help and and you are very good at what you do but I, I initially, I just want to be left alone. Just leave me alone. I was kind of done. You know, uh, we're going to commit suicide, but I was just, I was kind of done. I, I, as a black man, I didn't really like the fact that it seemed like I was so dependent on a white person to say, okay, for me to get this job. And it was life-changing money. I mean, it was, it was a big six-figure paycheck. I mean, it was, it was big. I mean, we were going towards seven figures. So it was a lot of money when this thing didn't go through. And so, but eventually when you start talking to me and when you began to, one of the things really revolutionary is when you reminded me I wasn't by myself because I think when people, and I was, you know, not everybody was depressed, feel sorry for themselves. But I think when we're depressed or having anxiety or lonely, we're not think we, we're not thinking about anybody being with us. And even though I was a Christian, I wouldn't think about God being with me in the midst of that. And when you said that, I said, like, oh, oh. And that was just really helpful. That was really profound for me. And so, um, and then you would send me these clips from these different people, say, hey, you think about reading this? And you were really good. You were walking on eggshells sort of for a while. And uh, I would read stuff, but you'd make me mad, but I'd read it. And, uh, <laughs> and um, you know, but eventually, uh, and then you would say stuff and we'd go through stuff. And I was reading Isaiah and I was so surprised so much stuff was in Isaiah. So it, it, it was just a process. And as I, and as you were, help me and, and and one thing i do like about the book all those texts you would send me periodically are interwoven in the book and, and people really love that and i think the fact you kept reaching out you didn't just let me go and even when i got to be, feel a little healthier you still kept reaching out to me and so i think that's so important for people looking for a counselor to get someone that's not just about the money but they really want to make sure the person gets better um so it was it was different for me it, it was it was um it was hard in some sense having someone give me care when I'm used to being the caregiver. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think that that is hard for a lot of people. Um, we were talking previous previous to the recording here um, about David Mann, David and Tamala Mann. They were on the Tamron Hall show, and he was speaking about that how it was hard for him to really identify he was suffering with depression because he is the one that is always the fixer. You know, he's the one that is always. Um, attending to other people and making certain that things are going well. And so his thing was, as long as everybody else is okay, then I'm okay until he realized that he wasn't. So mm. it is something that we do have to, we, we as caregivers, I do believe those of us with that gift of helps and um, I, I believe we do have to be careful of that um, because it is kind of our anointing, our call. Um, and we, we would do it even when we feel like we're not you know, really feeling up to doing it, we find ourselves there anyway. And I think that it is so easy for us to fall over into making certain that everyone else is taken care of and we go by the wayside, if you will. The other thing that I'm so glad that you mentioned um, that I wanted to say, I know we I talked about it in the book too, when you were saying how um, I just continued to check in to make sure that you were okay. Because in one of the um, examples that I gave is like when we go to the doctor, um, like for me, especially when I would battle sinus infections and, you know, they give you this course of antibiotics and you're like, okay, you know, um, and they say, take it for seven days and you're like, all right, you know, but then you start to feel better. You're like, I don't need to take any more, you know, and then um, the, the symptoms come back worse or whatever the case may be. And we start thinking like, oh, you know, it's back. And the doctor's like, no, it never went away because you didn't finish, you know, the course of treatment. And so um, I'm glad that you even mentioned that because we do have to be mindful that just because we begin to feel better doesn't necessarily meaning doesn't necessarily mean that we have like um, overcome it, if you will, or is, right. you know, totally gone, um, however we may phrase that. Um, that we have to be uh, careful for for that um, because it can set people in a place of um, like I'll call it just extreme despondency because they're thinking like I should be better by now <laughs> you know I should be better and when I'm not um, you know then we start to really question whether or not we are okay for real for real or not mm. yeah yeah I think that's true I think it's true and uh, it's just, it was just a different place. I mean, it just, I mean, the good things about it slowed me down. I think the good things that I pulled out of it was that, uh, or that I'm pulling out is that I don't have to fake being fine. I don't have to seek approval for the wrong reasons from the wrong people. Um, and, you know, I, I think um, I'm not near as important as I used to be. And I think, um, I think maybe I'm a little bit nicer because I think I'm a little more sensitive to people. So, you know, so anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's it's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that makes you process, and it just it, it's really been a good thing for me. Um, but I would never want to go through it again. And and I know I'm still working with pieces of it that reveal, but uh, you know, it's 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 a journey. I yeah. think for for me, it's it is indeed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think for most people that will really give themselves over to the process, it is a journey. One of the things that I just wanted to highlight is when you did talk about the job um, falling through, um, and you know, people will read about this in the book, but I want them to understand that for you, that kind of almost was like the straw on the camel's back, you know, because there were some other disappointments that you had throughout yeah. life. Would you? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, one being black in America is just tough. I mean, I yeah. just any minority in a majority system is tough because you're so at the mercy of the majority system. And people say, well, if you work really hard, you can push up a bootstrap. Well, yeah, but if, if the majority culture keeps cutting a bootstrap, it's hard to get up. And but I think the other thing is, um, and and maybe I I can't I've never been a woman, so I can't speak to that, but I think when you are a leader or you're an entrepreneur and you're negotiating, you really want to get hired or 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 not hired based on your merits, not based on politics and stuff like that. So and, and having worked the system and understand the system, you know, it it just it was it was just crazy because you could see that they wanted the material. You said they liked what was going on. Uh, and normally I don't, you know, uh, you know, assume something's going to happen before it does, but there are so many telltale signs, so much conversation that when they like flipped and went 180 the other way, I like, I was just stunned by that. Uh, and then also one of the things was, I said, well, you're busy writing books. You're not going to be able to do this. And so for someone to tell me what I can do, my capacity is without knowing me, that was incredibly offensive. And in this case, maybe even racist. And I, I was just done, you know, I was just done. I mean, and so I just, I said, what else you got to do? I mean, but this would have been, uh, my wife's been really great. It would have been huge for me to be able to support her in a way that I really want to support her. Um, and I was looking forward to taking some time off. I mean, I could have done this job in six to nine months and probably not had to work for two or three years. You know, mm-hmm. not that I wouldn't have worked for two or three years, but I could have been much more choosy. It would just done some things I really wanted to do, you know, mm-hmm. set itself for this nonprofit to do some things really well. And so, you know, there's a lot of things going in that. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. And I, and I think the other thing I want for people to, to know um, is that even though when you invited me to co-author with you, I, I did have the opportunity to write from, you know, professional expertise yeah and experience um but our journey together we we've known each other for years now a long time long time long long time yeah long time and so um the the reason i want for people to understand like i wasn't hired to be your counselor or anything like that so it wasn't like no money exchange. And the only reason I really want to emphasize that is because I want for us to understand how the power of relationships mm. can help anyone who is in depression. Now, yes, it can be healing for some and for others, it, might, it very well just may be the support that they need while they are doing other things, you know, maybe with the professional therapist or having to take the medication or whatever the case may be. But as you stated, you know, just the thought of, you know, when we're going through, we usually tend to think we're the only people in the world, you know, who are dealing with whatever it is that we're dealing with. And so we tend to kind of, you know, uh, isolate ourselves and we feel, um, when I say sorry for ourselves, I don't mean that in a self-pitying type of way, but I mean, we do, we just kind of like, you know, nobody knows the troubles I see kind of a thing. Um, But to understand that that support, when you have someone who, like you said, you just wanted to be left alone. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people want to be left alone. I know that can be my stance also. 
Right. right. So when I'm saying, as you're saying, you know, if I'm, if I'm wanting to be left alone and someone is like, no, you're going to come out, we're going to take you out. I'm like, no, right now, I really want to be left alone. <laughs> like right now, yeah, I just yeah. need a moment to process what I'm feeling, you know, kind of deal with it. So if we can kind of understand how we can best position ourselves alongside people who are in dark places and who are going through difficult times and also acknowledging that when people go through dark times, they may feel depression, they may feel lonely, they may feel anxious, and that we will do well not to deny them that opportunity to say exactly what it is that they are feeling, then I think that we can help people um, escort them, if you will, as they are going through this journey, or in some cases, I really believe that that can help to accelerate their time in that dark place because they are supported and they feel like someone does understand. And I think that that helps a lot and keeps people from feeling like, oh, this is almost kind of like a setback when, you know, it's like, here we go again. I got to sit with someone that's going to tell me, you know, just pray and just fast and just do these things and, and all of this, and this is supposed to go away. Well, I've done all that and that hasn't happened. So um, that's the thing that I really hope that people walk away understanding how the body is supposed to work together. You know, the many members are working together. And if we can understand what our role is, you know, alongside other people, how we might be able to support people through the the dark places that they find themselves in. Well, you were very supportive in that. Uh, one thing you did, uh, I thought was great, you always asked for permission. Or you mm -hmm. would say, I hope this is okay. Hey, I was thinking about you, blah, blah, blah. And that was just kind of really nice. And I think that's really important. I, I think the other thing for me that was helpful, uh, you kept uh, bothering me. No, <laughs> you kept... <laughs> you kept I touched it, reaching out to me. And then as a friend of mine, I was a big time entrepreneur. I shared some of the stuff with him. He, you know, he really couldn't understand, you know, he's African-American. Um, he couldn't really, he understood some, but not totally. But then the other thing with the computer I have and the software I have in my email system, I, there's no place to let people know I'm on vacation or I'm not available. So people kept emailing and I would keep looking at my email and I would respond. And so helping people while you're being, while you need help was actually good therapy for me. You know, Joe's mm -hmm. in prison, uh, counsel other people while they needed, when they needed help. And that was actually therapeutic for him. And even though he didn't see a result for two years later, uh, it was good. So that was really a good thing. And then Brenda, uh, you know, she didn't really know I was depressed because uh, she's, because for her, I was functional. So she didn't mm -hmm. think depressed. She think if I'm crawled up in a, you know, fetal position then I'm depressed but uh but she kept you know making me go to church and so mm -hmm. I kept hearing a sermon and even the main points of the sermon wouldn't be the pastor would say one little thing kind of off the wall thing that would resonate mm -hmm. with me and it mm -hmm. would give me hope for that day or whatever so so there's, there's a combination of things where people did well I wasn't by myself I wasn't totally isolated even though I kind of wanted to be and withdrew as much as I could uh, people wouldn't totally let me be isolated, which I think is a good a good thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would agree with you. Also, we definitely, you know, want to let people know we're there and try to respect 
you know, whatever their boundaries are. And there are some people who, um, because I do want to just kind of speak to it since we're here, you know, their dark place may be that something happened to them at church. And so they don't mm-hmm. go to church. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I always want to make sure that people understand that church, you know, yeah, we are saying go to church like the edifice, but we also are talking about the church as a body of people, you know, as a body of believers. And then there is sometimes when we, as the church, we're called to go out, you know, and so to mm-hmm. come along others as well too so yeah well I'm, I'm so grateful that you said that and um, I'm just I'm hopeful that people will again just you know hear your story hear your heart um thank you for your, your honesty your your authenticity your vulnerability um for sharing you know the things that you have dealt with over the years and 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 I think that when we talk about finding hope I think people will find hope in the fact that um you were able to overcome by your testimony and i'm hopeful that other people will see that as well too um what would you like to say as we kind of prepare to wrap up the conversation um any kind of final thoughts you have about i need hope in the dark place (laughs) (laughs) well i I just think um i was fortunate that god put you in my life to kind of reach out and recognize because you're really the only person who knew what i was going through or knew no, I needed help. So, I, so my prayer is that people will have people in their lives who will reach out to them. And I, and my prayer is if someone reaches out to you when you are struggling with depression or loneliness or anxiety, you know, let them help you. Realize they might they're not perfect; they don't know everything. But let them reach out because it's one way somebody's loving you. Because usually, when you feel loneliness or anxiety or depression, sometimes we feel no one cares or understands. But they don't have to know exactly how we feel, but if they care, it's one person cares about us. So that means we have value. So, so I, so I would say that. So if you're hurting and someone reaches out, don't push them away mm-hmm. and, and uh, accept that help as imperfect as it may be and realize they're loving you the best way they can. Yeah. And that's kind of what we want anyway, somebody to love us and yeah. hear us. So that would be my words. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think I would just kind of add behind that is, and for us to let people, I I always just feel like that's just a message I have to continually echo, is to let people feel what they are feeling. And Mm. um, you say I was able to read between the lines. I think that what I was able to do is to say this ought to be disappointing. And I know sometimes, you know, we want to rush over those things and we call that spiritual bypassing you know when we use spiritual means to to try to help a person over um, their emotional process that they need to do so I'm I'm saying like no this has to be disappointing and therefore I'm going to say to you I know you got to be disappointed you know by this situation happening and also um, you know knowing I'm, I'm privy to other things that had gone down you know prior to that so um, just we have to have that ability to say this has to be disappointing to a person and to open up the door to let that person feel that disappointment or that depression or whatever the case may be. So I think that's what I'll add on behind you. So now you let people know how they can follow you and um, sign up for your newsletter or support your ministry, order your books. <laughs> well, the, well, the best way to catch up with me is, is really through my website is my name, ClarenceShula.com. So it's C-L-A-R-E-N-C-E. And it's S-H-U-L-E-R, no C in that last name, just S-H-U-L-E-R. It's all one word, Clarence Schuler, not Clarence Schuler, but ClarenceSchuler.com. <laughs> and if you go there, you can uh, see a lot of free videos I have. You can email me, connect with me. 
And I would love to have you do that. Also, there is, thanks, uh, Dr. Mo, there is a free video series, relationship series called Common Mistakes Most Couples Make. And you get, I think, 13 free videos that people found very helpful. So yeah, come check us out. Yeah, you and Brenda do a beautiful work ministering to, to marriages and to families, and you all have done that. You've been a, um, a long-standing champion for people with their marriages and their families, so we're just so grateful, grateful to the Lord for, um, for you all and for all of the things that you do, and hopefully that you will continue to do for the kingdom. And to our listeners, thank y'all so much for being a part with us today. Y'all know what I always say. Until next time, let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. After you have heard Clarence talk about how to find hope in a dark place, facing loneliness, depression, and anxiety with the power of grace, what will be your response? And the church said. Amen. <laughs>